Hello, welcome to Two Sick and Naked Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on as well as highly informed about something new. Hi, dear friends. I have such a great episode for you this week with my friend Lauren Kennedy, soon-to-be nurse living in Maui, Hawaii. We talk about her struggle at a very young age, starting at 29 years old, with ovarian cancer, how she had to have her ovaries removed, how that affected her and her womanhood, how badly she wanted children, and decided to do a fundraiser in order to freeze her eggs. We talk about what it's like to do a fundraiser, the feelings, the depression, and the anxiety that come with illness, and how to beat that and move on. The weekly challenge is uh, downloading or purchasing the 5-Minute Journal app uh, or book, or just learning how to do that and then doing it on your own in your own journal for free. But it's a specific way to journal, and it's very quick and easy in the morning and at night. So follow me along at Shay Jackie on Instagram to see how I do the weekly challenge. Follow me at TooSickAndNaked.com for blog posts or anything else you might want. For my coaching services, feel free to contact me. And subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on iTunes. Share it with your friends. Can't wait to talk to you. See you over at the podcast. Hi everyone, your host Jackie Shea here. Today I get to speak to my friend who I love so much, Lauren Kennedy, who's based in Maui, Hawaii, and a soon-to-be nurse. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. I would love for everyone to know me as Jack, so I'm glad you called me that. Um, Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on to do the episode. Today we're going to talk about um, the the beautiful thing of um, ovarian cancer. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, at a want... very young age in life. I would like to hear about what life was like for you before you got sick. I have to say I felt like that was probably the healthiest I've ever felt in my life. Um, you know, I was, I was eating healthy. I was working out all the time, paddling, um yeah you were you were part of the um the the rowing what is it called in Maui the rowing club paddling (laughs) the paddling (laughs) club um yeah and you were and that's really hard work guys like I I paddled six and they're six man canoes right yeah so I I did that a couple times when I was at my fittest mind you and it was very hard work. So you were doing that, I remember, like at 5 a.m. multiple times a week, right? Um, 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, three three times a week we had practice. And then um, on Saturdays we have our races. Um, and you can race up to multiple times depending on where, you know, your coach wants to put you. And yeah, but- you had lived a healthy life. Like your whole life had been a healthy life and you were thriving and I know that you had also gone through some trauma in life um your ex-boyfriend uh, killed himself right mm-hmm. and that was a really traumatic time for you and then you'd really come through everything in a very big way and you were thriving and you were really excited about life and then this happened correct me if I'm wrong no that's totally correct <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, my, um, my boyfriend killed himself about five years prior to me getting diagnosed and, um, you know, it took a few years for me to really just like come out of that, like depression, um, and just really just feeling like just full of life in a way that I've never really expected or like ever experienced before. Um, so, you know, obviously when I got sick, it was like very surprising and, um, just a really hard time for me. Right. And will you actually tell us a little bit about what the grieving process was like for you? For suicide? Yeah. Well, it was really hard. Just, you know, um, uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, were in mine and my boyfriend's life that, you know, just wanted to point fingers at a lot of different people besides him. And so, you know, I got a lot of blame for it. Um, and that was really hard and I had to leave Maui like it was just too overwhelming for me um so I went back to California where I'm originally from um, and I spent the summer there you know it was just a really lonely place um there's just 
there's a lot of denial that was going on. Um, and I remember I would have these dreams where, where I just thought they were so real and that he hadn't actually killed himself and he was just away on like a trip or he just needed to get away from everyone for a little bit. And, um, and that's just like really hard. Um, you know, I was in therapy at the time and I ended up seeing my therapist multiple times a week for a long time. Um, and even when I left, I would call in, um, and do phone sessions with her and, uh, she would remind me, um, I mean, during that time, I was just so convinced that he was still alive. Like I didn't want to believe that he was actually gone, even though, you know, um, he'd had a funeral. We, we scattered his ashes, like all these things that happened, um, it was a pretty powerful experience, a little really life-turning um, experience for me. Right. And I wasn't friends with you during that time, but I did know you, get to know you sometime after. And I just, I think what I remember most is that it was a long process for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first year was, you know, was definitely the hardest for me, Um just that emptiness and that like, you know, thinking like, what if it was my fault? What did I do? You know, or, um, you know, I started taking internally, like what everyone was saying is true. Um, so you, you made it through that with a lot of help and support, correct? (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. And, Um, and you, and a lot of that, well, and a lot of that too was, um, you know, being more active and eating healthier. And like, you know, it just came to a point where I was just like, wow, I just really need to take care of myself better. Um, and so that's when I started going on hikes more. I started going diving and paddling and, um, eating pretty healthy. And, um, yeah, (laughs) that's pretty much like how I think I was thriving before I got sick. Right. So then what happened? What sent you to the doctor? So, um, this is a little personal, but, um, you know, I was bleeding in between my periods. This um, is a very personal podcast, by the way. This is like, (laughs) we talk about bowel movements and crying in fetal fetal position (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I was just, you know, I was bleeding, but wasn't like a actual period, (laughs) And I remember calling my friend um, who was like really into health and, you know, I asked her like, is this something should I be worried about? You know, like, I don't know if this is just from like me being like really stressed out. Uh, Cause I don't, I don't actually remember what was going on um, at that time in my life, but I remember it was something that I just played it off as like, oh, I'm just really stressed out right now. And that's the cause of me bleeding. Um, even though that's never happened to me before. Um, which is really funny because I'm coming to learn that a lot of women just like push these symptoms aside and, you know, say it's because of stress or, you know, whatever. Um, That's absolutely yeah. true and a really good point. <laughs> right. So yeah. who who did your friend tell you to go to the doctor? Well, she said, you know, she was like, I would go to the doctor, but, you know, um, it's really up to you. Like, you have to make these choices, you know. And so I was just like, okay, well, I'm not going to go to the doctor. Um, if it happens again, I'll go. And I, and at this point, like I've never gone to the doctors for any kind of illness. I never got sick. Like I was not one of those, um, if I did get sick, it would be like for a day, maybe once a year, if that, um, and like I went years without health insurance also, cause I just, you know, it's just, I just had this mindset of like, I'm never going to get sick. I don't get sick. I'm like the health, I'm so healthy and, you know, and so it happened again. Um, the following month I was bleeding again. Um, and so I made an appointment with my gynecologist, but the appointment was like, mm, I think it was like a few weeks, you know, I think it was, I had, it had to take another like three or four weeks for me to actually go in to be able to see her. And, you know, I just, I remember walking in and just not really thinking anything of it. Just like, oh, she's just going to tell me I'm fine and that it's stress. And I was just so set on it. Um, of it being just that idea. Well, it always had been that for you, right? Like you, you didn't have an experience of anything else. Yeah. You know, so we did a whole exam. Um, we did like, like an ultrasound, like a, um, like a pelvic ultrasound, which is really just, 
you know, like you think a pap smear is terrible. Like this is really bad. Um, and just like uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> and I remember she was like looking around for a long, for what felt like a long time. Um, and she, you know, she just very calmly just said, you know, there's a couple of masks, um, and just, you know, let's get a different ultrasound, um, let's schedule you for, uh, an actual ultrasound, um, that can show like more characteristics of what's going on. Um, a lot of women just have like ovarian cysts and that's totally normal, you know? And so I left there again, not really thinking anything. Um, I mean, I think I was like a little worried, like, oh my gosh, what if it's a cyst? But I've heard of women having those um, and it being benign and no big deal. So I wasn't really too concerned about it. Anyway, so I went to go have this exam, this like, um, this ultrasound. And it's like the most horrible experience because you have to drink like a whole bunch of water an hour before your actual appointment and you just have to hold your pee. Like you cannot go to the bathroom at all. Um, <clears throat> which that's like half the battle of like that whole experience. Like that's, that in itself is like, you know, when you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the, you know, the reasoning behind that is because, um, you know, so your, um, your bladder sits in front of your ovaries. And so when your bladder is empty, um, the way that like, I like to think of it as, is like, think of it like a balloon when a balloon's, um, not inflated, you know, you can't see through it. Um, but as you, as it expands, you can see through it. Um, uh, and so that's what I had to do. Um, and then they had like, you know, the ultrasound, ultrasound machine and they're just like pressing against your bladder, which is even worse. Um, cause I, you know, there's a few times where I thought I was going to pee right mm-hmm. there on the table, mm-hmm. which is so embarrassing. And like, if I was so fucking scared. What were you, what were you scared of? Like what did she lead, let on to anything or? No, 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 no. I was just afraid of like, you know, peeing all over the place. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Got yeah, it. I, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. <clears throat> okay. Again, at this point I was just kind of like, whatever, like nothing's wrong. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And I remember, um, I was trying to ask her about like, Oh, what'd you find? And kind of like joking around about it. Um, you know, cause that's also something I do when things get kind of scary. I, um, just make a joke out of everything. She, you know, she again just told me that I just had some mass and they're probably gonna, uh, my doctor is going to get back to me. And how and so old are you? How old were you at this point? Oh, I was 29. Great. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I was 29. Um, and so this was all in, let's see, in January. Yeah. So that was in January, the beginning of January. And then when I went for a follow-up, um, like the next week, um, my doctor said, you know, like, so you have this really large, a couple, like these really large mass and we're not really too sure what it is. It could be cancer. Well, and I, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think she said it a little bit nicer than that. Um, um, but you know, the, it was like a, like something like a brick hit me in my face. And you were alone uh, at the appointment. Yeah, I was alone at the appointment because I didn't, you know, again, nothing's going to happen to me. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and so I went to that appointment. Um, I mean, I left there just kind of devastated and not really knowing what to do. I mean, the only thing that I've ever heard about cancer is like, especially ovarian cancer, is everyone who has ovarian cancer dies. That's like the thought that went through my mind. Well, I was just thinking, so, so what, yeah, what was the, what was the first thing you had to do? They decided um, they were going to do um, a biopsy, right? No. So with ovarian cancer, um, because there's a high, you know, it could be like a cyst, it could be, you know, multiple things. Um, I couldn't do a biopsy. Um and, you know, the way that they explained it to me was that, like, if they did a biopsy and it was something else, um, like, say, it's like a cyst or whatever, you're basically opening up, um, like, the sac or whatever, and I could possibly get infections. 
um, from things, you know, the content spilling out. Okay. So I was just sitting there, you know, um, in the next couple of weeks, I just went, I went through so many tests. Um, I remember having to go get my blood drawn and do more, um, I did MRIs, I did an x-ray, um, you know, I just felt like I was at the doc. There's some points where I was just at the, at the hospital or not the hospital, but at the doctor's office, um, you know, two or three times a week. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, and that was just like, I think at that point I was just kind of really robotic, um, in shock. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, trying to keep it together because I wasn't sure. And I just didn't want to tell myself that I had something if I didn't. Sure. And so um, when, when did they, what did they come back with from all of those tests? Um, so they came back, well, I, um, they still couldn't give me a hundred percent answer. Um, you know, which that's like the, the amount of like unknown and just being so afraid, you know, like by this point, like, you know, I'd gone to the doctor so much. I've gotten so many tests. Um, it was just a really scary time um, because the more tests or exams that I had to do, the more I thought like there's something wrong. Right. And like, this is serious. <clears throat> so um, I had to um, fly over to Oahu for a specialist. And um, so over in Maui, like we don't have a lot of specialists and most people have to go fly over to Oahu where they all are. So I was flying over there a lot also. And um, I met my oncologist over there um, who was going to do the surgery. And it was just, you know, again, like what, what the fuck is going on? What was the um, surgery? So I had, um, so I had my ovaries removed um, and my fallopian tubes, but um, going into the surgery, you know, or prior to the surgery, all he could tell me was like, we're not sure what's going to happen. We have to wait until we're able to look inside and see everything that's going on. But why? So they immediately decided to remove your ovaries? Well, they didn't know. They didn't immediately decide that. Um, that's just the result of like my surgery. Um, what they told me was, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, we have to see like what it looks like when we go inside. So what was um, the initial surgery? So the initial surgery was, um, was just that, like kind of like an exploratory. Okay. Um, but they were just going to see what was <clears throat> happening. Yeah. Yeah. So. <clears throat> um, and the results yeah, of that were. Cancer. <laughs> okay. So they go yeah. in, they do this exploratory surgery how soon after did they come back with results for you? Oh, within a week. And then you flew back over to Oahu or, to get those results? Actually, no. Actually, I think they told me when I was recovering, when I was still in the hospital recovering from surgery. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I was just so, I was so high on like pain meds. I just don't, it's really hard. Um, so, a lot of that is kind of like. So they knew, they knew right after the surgery very soon yeah. after, if not, that it was cancer. Yeah. So, and the whole point, like the, like going into surgery again, like I've never been sick. I've never broken a bone. I've never had surgery. Um, well, I've had like my wisdom teeth removed where I was put under, but that's like, to me, that's nothing like really that major. No, um, I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I have, you know, I have quite a few friends in the medical field. Um, and I was talking to, my friend and um and she had said like oh try and talk to so-and-so they just went through something like this um something pretty similar and I think that they could you know help give you an idea of like what to have what's going to happen or not happen or whatever um and so I talked to her and she you know mind you she's in her mid to late 40s um and you know she ended up having a full hysterectomy and she didn't think that that was going to happen. She just woke up and everything was kind of gone. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, she she's an older, again, an older woman. She already knew that she wasn't going to have kids. So she was totally fine with that. Um, 
And that's like not my story at all. Right. Um, You've always like, wanted children and I've always wanted kids. Right. So always. so how much of that was on your mind already? Like before even the exploratory surgery? Like how much were you thinking about the fact that you wanted kids? Oh my gosh. All the time. Like it, you know, that was you know, I'm adopted, so I don't have any like um, you know, blood relatives that I know of. Or, you know, they're there, but I've never met them or I don't know anything except for what's written on my adoption papers. And so, you know, that, um, you know, I think, you know, a big thing um, for me was that, like, you know, I really want someone that, like, looks like me, is a part of me. Like, we say we share the same DNA. And that's just never been, like, a question for me my entire life. It's always been, like, yep, I'm going to have a kid. Right. Um, whether or not I have a husband, that was never really so much of like a, this is going to happen, you know, but it was always, I was always for sure. Like that was a part of my plan. For right. The future. So you, so, so you were already feeling concerned about that is what I'm asking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. No, totally, totally. Um, <clears throat> you know, and so I go over to Oahu to have this surgery and, um, you know, I'm like in the pre-op room and, you know, my mom flew over with me and, um, and, uh, you know, I, I had, um, some friends fly over also to to like be with my mom while she was waiting. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember like asking, like when my doctor finally came in after I was like ready to go into surgery, I remember asking him like, are you going to remove everything? Mm. And, um, you know, like that was like, you know, that was just such a heartbreaking question for me to ask. And he just said, like, I don't know. I can't give you that answer. Oh, my God. And yeah. <laughs> That's and, so scary, uh, especially when you want children. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I mean, that point, um, that moment in my life, I think I really understood what it was to be powerless. Right. Um, you know, and of course, like, there's been other times where I've been powerless or whatever, but like, this is like, I felt it deep within my like soul. Um, and not being able to control any, any like little bit of what was going to happen. Wow. And um, so they didn't yeah. remove everything. No, they t- luckily they didn't. Um, you know, I, I like just started, you know, after he said that, like, I just started crying. Um, and you know, all I just remember is just saying like, I'll never have kids, you know? And, um, and just being like, so I I can't even explain like that feeling. It's just like the saddest, it's just a very sad moment, you know? And, um, and the nurses around me were just like crying because I just couldn't keep it together. Mm. Um, understandably, but, um, you know, and the night prior, um, also, you know, I had had this dream that I woke up in the middle of surgery because I wasn't like, I, I didn't get enough anesthesia. So, you know, there's like a lot of like anxiety and a whole bunch of things going into the surgery. Um, of course, <clears throat> of course. And I want to, I want to just, um, talk for a moment about the, the point about having kids because they didn't remove everything during the surgery, but you found out you had can't, they found out it was cancer right after and uh-huh. you did find out that you did have to remove both of your ovaries. I think for, at first it was just one and then it ended up being both, right? Yeah, yeah. So that surgery, they removed um, they removed my uh, one of my ovaries so that they couldn't distinguish the difference between like my ovary and the tumor. So they knew that that had to go. Um, and then the other ovary, they... Um, got as much of the tumor off as they could so that there's still you know some they had to leave some of it in order to save my ovary for me to go through like a process of um saving my eggs if that's what I wanted to do which is great that they that they gave you that option and so you you knew that you knew that you were going to have to have your other ovary removed and I th- you ended up doing a fundraiser so that you could freeze your eggs because that's a super expensive process, correct? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a really expensive and insurance doesn't cover that. <laughs> right. Even though, even when it's situ- circumstantial, like, like yours was. Um, yeah. And let's just talk for a second about that experience of people, all of your friends and family and people coming together to fundraise your ability to later have children, if you so choose. Um, yeah. How was that for you? I talk to, I have clients, I talk to a lot of people all the time. People are so afraid to do the fundraiser situation and I did it and you did it. So let's, I just want to dive in for a moment to what that was like for you. Yeah. You know, okay. So I didn't know that insurance wouldn't cover it. Um, I was referred to this, um, infertility Institute over here, um, and, um, you know, I went on my 30th birthday. Um, that's when they had me scheduled. And I just remember, you know, finding out about how expensive it was. And I knew that my family couldn't help pay for it. Um, and, and I also didn't want to ask them to help me pay for it just because, you know, they've, my family's like paid for a lot of things for me. Um, I remember leaving from the clinic and um, calling um, Eva <laughs> and, um, our friend Eva. Yes. <laughs> yes. Our, our friend Eva. And I, um, you know, I remember I was walking on the sidewalk, pacing back and forth and just crying and telling her about how much it was and nothing's going to like, I'm not going to be able to have kids and like my whole future is going to be stolen from me. And like, um, yeah, just just feeling like nothing's gonna like nothing's gonna work. And this was your thirtieth birthday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my thirtieth birthday. Like rough uh, birthday, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just poor people inside the the nurses. <laughs> Again, like they just. <laughs> I'm just a crying mess, you know. And, yeah. Um, Crying, 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 crying. That's what illness looks like a lot of the time. <laughs> crying, 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 All crying, 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 crying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and Eva, I think Eva is the one, she's the one who turned you on to doing the fundraiser, right? No, I didn't want to do it. But she's the one <laughs> she who suggested up, it. Yeah. Okay. She's the one that brought up the idea. And, um, you know, she said, you know, like, I've done it. You know, she's, you know, um, I knew that you had done it before. Um, and she's just like, just let me do this for you. Like, let me just take care of this. And, um, and I remember telling her like, no, like, I don't want to ask you to do that. That's like too much. And, um, and I'll figure it out, you know? And that, that was like my answer. I'll figure it out. (laughs) And, um, you know, um, I didn't really figure it out. She just, I just let her just take the reins. I don't even know how she convinced me to do it or let her do it. Um, and you did, that's what she, you raised the money, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I, that whole time too, during that fundraiser, cause I don't really know how, like that time I didn't really know, understand how crowdfunding worked. If it costs money, if like, you know, I'd heard all these crazy things about it. And so I was really just like, really afraid like really afraid that I wouldn't be able to make it you know and I just didn't want to get my hopes up with this fundraiser were you you, did you have any fear I know that with the fundraiser I had a lot of fear uh, uh, and shame I mean I experienced a lot of shame and needing to ask for money but I also had a lot of fear about not raising any money and like what that would mean about what people thought of me and that like totally I had so much attached to if I don't raise the money I'm gonna want to like hide in the darkness I'll be so embarrassed yeah 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 no I was so afraid you know so I was like people don't care about me that much like there's no way there's no way that people would pay for me to have my like this whole procedure to happen right um and how did it feel when they did? Well, again, I, I, you know, I'm kind of like, at this point, I'm like, anything could happen. Like, I just can't really like, you know, I would get anxious about it because I would see like people donating and just feeling like really mixed feelings about how am I going to pay these people back? And um, uh, yeah, I had that too. Like, 
okay, so I, I still to this day, it's like I know everyone who donated to my fundraiser. And like, yeah, <laughs> I'm more than happy to like find a way to make it up to them or love the shit out of them. Or, But it's still totally on my mind. Yeah. Like, And I know who didn't donate also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's kind of it's it's a crazy thing, but like you, I'm so grateful that you did it because as your friend, I'm so happy that you your eggs are frozen and that like you you have that. Yeah, yeah, you know I have that option. Um, and how is it? How is it? Even though your eggs are frozen, like even though that's the case, and you can have kids one day, how is it? Knowing that both of your ovaries are gone as a woman in her 30s and not getting your period. I'm, I know it's like a really hard question to ask, but you don't get your period. You went through menopause in your early 30s. Like, yeah, yeah, that, um, you know, it's like it's the whole grieving process, you know, and a lot of like, like um, identity confusion, you know, because it's just like, this is like what makes me a woman. Am I no longer a woman? Do I not? You know, I, I mean, a part of it was like, you know, I would have friends that were just like, you know, you'll never have to deal with a period again. Like, you're so lucky. I just didn't know how to respond to that, you know? Because it's like, yeah, I know that, but like. Well, it doesn't really feel lucky. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't know what I had to experience to be in this position. Like, I don't think you really understand what that's like. So there was like that. There was like, I'm not, a, you know, I mean, I know that I am, but it, yeah, I don't know. It was just like these head, like just a mind fuck kind of, you yeah. know? And also at the same time, like going through the process of like my body betrayed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like a big thing. It was like my body betrayed me. I took so good. Like I have been like. You know, again, I was like the healthiest I've ever been before getting diagnosed and yeah, you know, like all that stuff in it. I just got in really bad depression. Yeah, of course. Um, I relate a lot to that. I had so much serious, serious depression when I was um, <clears throat> uh, very sick. So tell me about how you got through that. Some of the ways in which you got through that. One of the ways is like a total like, you know, I am, I've always been kind of like against medication and like, I don't need that, you know, whatever, you know, I got to the point where I didn't leave my bedroom for a month. Um, and I would just sleep the whole time. And I just knew that there was something wrong. Um, and so antidepressants, yeah. antidepressants literally like just like saved me, you know, but it wasn't until like I started having really bad panic attacks and, um, Oh, I I remember that phase. High, high, high anxiety. I think maybe I even called you one night when I was just like hysterical from my, you know, from uh, having an episode. We actually Um, talked a few times during your your heavy anxiety period. I remember that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, So you used medication, which again, like... A lot of us, I had to get on medication also when I was going through that. Actually, I think I shared that with you. When I had, when I was in Bali getting well and you were going through this, I think I had shared about how much medication had helped me. And you reached out to, to people that you knew would love you. I basically only reached out to you and Eva. <laughs> people who understood uh, illness, I should say. Yeah, yeah. You know, at that point I had like... I've written off a lot of people because I just, you know, if they weren't understanding, you just don't understand me. You don't get what's going on. And it came to the point of like, why am I talking to all my friends that are healthy mm-hmm. <laughs> in the time of like my like sickness? Like I can't rely on that. Um, Cause it's just going to make me more angry and more like upset about everything. Um, yeah. And I had that so, experience too. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty much you and Eva. I remember you and Eva were the only ones that like I'd be willing to talk to um, about like the real, like the real scary shit. And what else? Did anything else really help you during this time? Um, you know, I did. Um, I did this whole thing of like um, daily acts of self love. You know, because again, like I was just in this really dark place, and I didn't 
I didn't know how else to get out of that. Like I was in my house for basically six weeks recovering. Um, you know, I have like an eight inch incision on my um, abdomen. And so it was really just like not allowed to like really do anything that I like knew would help me, you know, cause before I would go like paddling or go in the ocean or like go hiking. And I, I couldn't do that, you know? And, um, and so I started just doing these little daily acts of self-love, um, you know, whether it be like taking a bath or like, um, writing my journal or buying myself flowers or, you know, chocolate, whatever, whatever it was that felt really safe and nurturing to myself. I love that. I want to take a quick break for the weekly challenge. Welcome to our weekly challenge segment where we arm you with new tools each week to kick some self-care butt. As you explore all of these new options presented weekly, my hope is that you will come to collect a number of quick ways to take care of yourself inside and out. You will essentially have your very own and very handy self-care toolkit. Some of the challenges may not work for you and some will seem perfectly tailored to you. We are building up your defenses, inspiring your mind, body, and spirit toward total wellness. Keep in mind that the goal is always progress, not perfection. The only rule is that you are never allowed to beat yourself up. Keep me posted on your progress. Stay accountable. It helps. Okay, let's hit this week's challenge. So this week's weekly challenge is about journaling, which you just mentioned. Um, (laughs) I find a lot of healing on the page when I journal. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what it did for you. Um. You know, I actually wasn't really too much into journaling um, before, but I remember, I specifically remember walking around my neighborhood and crying to you on the phone, and you told me that I had to journal. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's like the one thing I do remember. (laughs) It was like a homework assignment that you gave me. Um, Yeah, and so, you know, I've like journaled, you know, here and there. I'm not like that great at it still. I don't do it like every day or anything. Um, But, you know, in the beginning, like I really, I I was doing it a lot because there is nothing else I could do. And so there's um, um, this well, at first it was just like free writing. Um, and then I was introduced to, um, it's called the five minute journal and it comes in a book form. There's, it's also an app. Um, and, um, so there's daily entries. So there's morning entries and evening entries. And so, um, you know, on the morning entry, it's just, um, writing three things that you're grateful for, um, and three things that you're going to do to make today great. And then also a daily affirmation and in the evening, um, you know, whatever time you want to do it at is just, it's kind of just reviewing your day, um, about three amazing things that happened today. Um, and what you could have done to make today even better. Um, you know, and that, you know, to me, that sounds like very like simple and like, how's that going to help, you know, but like the more that I did it, the more that I was able to just like really just see, um, you know, just have it kind of down in black and white about like, these are things going on in my life and my life isn't over. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can, you can get the app, you can purchase the book, or you can just do these things in your own journal. Um, You just list it off, right? Yeah. So I love that. And I love how focused it is on gratitude and really empowerment because it's really about like, what can I do to make it better? You know, what are the three amazing things I can do today to give myself a good day? Right. So it's really about like, what is in my control? And, you know, you really took that on before you had the five minute journal with your with your daily self acts of self love. Right. Like today I can buy myself flowers. Totally. And, um, you know, and it's just like, you know, at first it's kind of feels like, oh, this isn't going to do anything for me, you know, but like continuously doing it, like it's just, I don't know, it just kind of builds yourself up and really like, you know, from going from no control to like, yes, I do have control. Um, it may not be the type of control that I want it to be, but like, you know, there are things and, um, I can control, if I'm happy or not, or I can control, you know, how I let my day affect me or not affect me. Um, 
Yeah, you you really chose, you had a lot of choices. Like you didn't have a choice about whether or not you were going to get ovarian cancer, but you had a choice to do a fundraiser and freeze your eggs, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You didn't have a choice about whether or not the fundraiser was going to be funded, but you had it, you chose to do it and try. And then you got to choose to freeze your eggs. And then you get to choose how you live with this new body, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I love, I love that. Uh, Yeah. And you were really depressed and I was just as depressed. I mean, my clients are just as depressed. There's a serious depression that comes with exactly what you were talking about, which is, you know, everything you used to cope with depression before you were sick, you could no longer use. You couldn't go paddling. Mm -hmm. You couldn't go hiking. You know, you were at home in bed with an eight inch incision on your stomach. Like you couldn't do those things. So what do you do? Find a bunch of new things that make you feel good. Yeah, and I think another thing that's like really important too is that, you know, um, in the beginning when everything was just feeling so crazy and I didn't have a way to cope with it, um, I specifically remember one night of like really just wanting to just just tune out, tune the world out. And that was really scary for me because it hasn't, you know, I never had that feeling for a long time. And, you know, and um, I think it's really important to know that like, you know, I started smoking again during that time. Um, and I, and I was hiding it. I remember hiding it because I was afraid of what people would think of me. Like, here you are, you just got diagnosed with cancer and you're smoking, Mm. you know? And I was really afraid of what people were going to like say to me or think of me. Um, you know, I'm not smoking anymore, but you know, it was just like whatever I could, whatever I could do to just get through the day. Yeah. And, and, you know, do you wish that you do you wish that you hadn't hidden it like do you wish that do you wish that you were more open about it I mean looking back like yeah because I've met you know I've met quite a few other people that are like really sick and um you know they don't want to do something that's perceived as unhealthy while you're like trying to get healthy right you know Mm -hmm. um There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of judgment around all of it. I was a person that was very judgmental of people that were sick. (laughs) I was. I really did think I really had this idea like people need to be tougher or something. Yeah, it's 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 amazing like how much um, how many of my like previous judgments just literally got smashed as soon as I got sick me too just gone (laughs) like I I don't I don't feel cape I feel like everyone's just a messy human being living a messy human being life and like totally everyone just needs a lot of love (laughs) totally totally um which is such a gift like I'm I'm very grateful that I can walk around in this world with that attitude um, and that really only came from illness. Yeah. <laughs> There's so, a lot of things from. Yeah. So okay, there, are, there are a lot of things for you. So what are some of your, some of the things that you're grateful for at this point, Pat, like that came into your life because of being sick? Um, you know, I really feel like, you know, I just have a, a deeper appreciation for life. Yeah. Deeper connection with people. Um, It's really helped me just weed out the people that are just, or not just people, but like activities or whatever, that's just really not necessary. You know, I'm not benefiting from any of it. Um, You know, because I'm one of those people growing up, like, you're my friend, I'm loyal to you until we die. (laughs) Mm. You know, and... and, um, Now you let go of things that don't enhance your life. Yeah, yeah, and I don't feel bad about it so good Um, so good that's so much self-love yeah yeah and that was just like such a hard thing it's like such an easy concept but it was so hard for me to understand it I was just so conflicted about like no I'm a loyal person this is like if I'm not friends with this person anymore if I'm not doing this anymore like I'm not a good person Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know it's it's interesting now you know I just kind of now I just kind of do whatever I want to do. Like if someone invites me to do something and I want to do it, then I'll do it. If I don't, then I just say no. And if they give me a hard time, then I just don't care, <laughs> you know? And, um, 
you know, there, you know, I have, um, I don't do well in big crowds anymore, which like, that was like what I thrived in before. And now I find like I get more like energy and, um, you know, wellness from solitude. Um, not saying that I'm by myself all the time, but like, I really like see the value in it. And where are you at today? So today I'm in the clear, um, so far, um, I've only been, um, let's say this is, it's been three years, four years, three years, 2015, three years. (laughs) Mm Um, yeah, you know, I, I still, um, I still get checkups. You know, I just recently went from getting checked up every two or three months to twice a year, which I'm so grateful for because I'm just so tired of, you know, going to the doctors and being one of those people that everyone knows who I am now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in the beginning of all this was like I was in the process of um, getting into nursing school. So, you know, I'm a year into nursing school and um you know, I, I, last year I had to take a break because, you know, all this stuff started surfacing and I just couldn't handle the stress and the pressure anymore. But now you're working in the ER, right? Oh yeah. I'm working in the ER. Um, and you're very busy. I'm like so unbelievably busy. (laughs) And you're, 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 you're taking exams, you're studying a lot, you're working in the ER, you're back to exercising and you're back outside, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that I wish that I could like do, you know, and, um, like I wish I can be outside more. I wish I could be paddling. Like I haven't paddled, you know, for like a year. Um, no, there's there's a lot of things that I wish I could be doing, but, um, you know, I understand that like, I just have to make sacrifices right now to really just get, you know, to accomplish these like goals. Um, yeah, but it's your choice. It's not because yeah. you're sick. Like you're, it's yeah. your choice to, to not paddle and to finish nursing school. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. And you have great friendships and you've really made it through that depression and that anxiety, right? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't had like a panic attack or anxiety attack in like a year um, I'm still taking antidepressants, um, which, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind you it know, either. I, I take some too. Yeah. And you know what? I take one. I take half of the smallest dose of one. And you know what? <laughs> it's like I'd much rather take that than experience super dark depression on a daily basis. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yes. You know, recently, actually, um, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago. For whatever reason, like I just wasn't taking my um, my medication. I think it all just started off as like me being busy and forgetting to take it in the morning, and then like I just kind of forgot about it altogether. And um, I was just getting like so tired again, like so tired, like I just want to stay in bed. And and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And then I took, I was like, oh, because I haven't been taking my medication, and I took it, and I just like feel so much better again. Yeah. Um, which is funny, you know, because in my mind, you know, before I would be like, come on now, like you should be over this. Like you shouldn't be depressed anymore. You can stop taking it. You know, it's been a couple of years and um, and that's just not the case. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and and I'm totally okay with that. Right. And it's like all that judgment that you had in the world before you also had of yourself and now walking around with more love for all of your fellows, you get to have more love for yourself. Right. And it's like, yeah, I'm okay with being a person that takes an antidepressant. I'm okay with being a person that X, Y, Z, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And not feel bad about it too. Right. I have a lot of friends that are like, I'm not taking antidepressants. Being outside is my antidepressant. And, um, you know, kudos to them, you know. Right. Um, but it's kind of like in a judgmental way. And I just, you know, I just try not to get upset with them. They just don't, they just don't know. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but I also, so awesome. you know, I also, huh? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I also, you know, like I'm really big into essential oils and I get massages and acupuncture and, um, you know, I, I um, do meditation sometimes and there's like other things too that I do to like enhance my well-being um, and the time given that I have, you know. 
Right. So that's really how you balance your big full life with self-care, which is a question I always ask. So you're really busy and you find the time to get massages and use your essential oils and do acupuncture and, you know, talk to people that feel good for you and eat well and drink lots of water, right? Yeah. 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 Um, Luckily, you know, my insurance covers like most of that. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you have that part in your like insurance plan, like take advantage. Um, yeah. Because you know, I pay like twenty dollars for a massage. What? Uh, yeah, that's like the copay. <laughs> what? That's amazing. Yeah. My insurance yeah. does not cover that stuff, which is okay. But that's also what my what my self care looks like. How can people find out if their insurance covers that stuff? Do you know? Yeah. So I think it's called like um, complimentary care. I think that's what it's called um, in the insurance world. Um, But I think you can also just call your insurance and just ask them. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for all of that amazing information and for sharing your heart and soul and spirit with us. Um, I love you a ton. How can people get in touch with you? Probably like Instagram would probably be the easiest. Uh, My handle is Lolo Mally. I will link to that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I will link I will link to your Instagram. Um, I love to look at all of the beautiful pictures of you. And what else? And thank you. And for the weekly challenge this week, we're all going to do five-minute journal. Um, whether you, again, use your own journal or you buy, buy the app or buy the book. Uh, so thank you so much for that weekly challenge. I'm really excited about it personally because you know me. I love to journal. Um, <laughs> it's not that much of a challenge for me, but I, I'm going to I'm gonna do it. I'm going to do it the way you suggested it. Um, so thanks again, Lauren. And um, yeah, I love you. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I love you too, Jack. Thanks so much for listening to the Too Sick and Naked podcast, everybody. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find me at Jackie on Instagram and follow me at TooSickAndNaked.com if you want some more wellness gems. You can also join the Healing Out Loud Facebook group. Find me on there and absolutely join if you are interested in healing out loud with some of your fellows. If you are interested in my coaching services, you can write to me via email and write to me with any other questions, concerns, comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you always. Have an amazing week, my beautiful friends, my Healing Out Loud tribe. Can't wait to give you more wellness gems and tips next week, and I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week. All right, see you next time.